Welcome to another edition of Top Lines and Tales. This week we're sponsored by Harbro, manufacturers and suppliers of quality livestock nutrition. John Barnaby Coots, known to most as Captain Ben, was an enormous man in more ways than one. Standing six feet six, his imposing frame was capped off by a trademarked red nose and deerstalker hat that made him instantly recognisable. When appointed to the role of secretary to the Aberdeen Angus Society in 1971, the press release stated that it was his distinctive blend of stockman, soldier, farm manager, estate administrator and farmer that made him ideally suited to the role. Add to that orator, writer and broadcaster and you get one of the most unique men of his generation. I was fortunate enough to get to know Ben in his later years and we'd have chats about all sorts of controversial subjects, including his work as an author. In 2013, I caught up with his wife, Sally, and we chatted through a few memories. And Ben, incidentally, is the man that started me writing. And I remember sitting, yeah. Ben saying to him, oh, we'll go and have a dram. And a couple of times we went off to have a dram, we had some good chats. And yeah. he told me some of his, his own stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was him. I said, well, I'd like to write one day. He said, well, just you know, get on and do it, you know, yeah, just talk about it. Just do it. So I did. Yes, yeah, so you've been mm. writing quite a few books. When Ben died in 2003, a testament to the way he inspired so many people. His funeral filled a huge church in Perth to bursting point with the eulogy read by media mogul Sir Max Hastings, with whom he'd had a, a lifelong friendship. And Max remarked that uh, the share price in Argentinian red wine had fallen that morning on hearing of Ben's demise. And Sally and I moved on to his appointment to the Aberdeen Angus Society role, a post he held for nine years. And claiming that he loves the challenge, it it was at the time a reference to the position within the society that had proved a rocky road to his predecessors and one that he arrived in with his sleeves rolled up and, and his eyes wide open. Uh, ben was always interested in, in Angus cattle because he had short arms, didn't he? No, he wasn't particularly interested in Angus at all, no. I don't think, to begin with. He no. was much more interested in highlands and highlands, short yes. yeah. and crossing them. Mm -hmm. And he never had Angus, I you know, when he was up at Gas Bay. He only really came down here and was needing an extra job because the farm was too small. Yes. And the secretaryship of the Aberdeen Angus came up and they appointed somebody, I remember who, who was useless. And they didn't want to re-advertise uh, <coughs> it because it was not, not uh -huh. bad. And so, um, and they really, you know, sort of desperation more or less appointed Ben because yes. they couldn't, you know, find anybody else. Right, okay. And um, So almost fell into it by default. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And certainly Angus wasn't, it wasn't his breed. No. You know, yeah. but they needed, needed Ben needed a job, mm -hmm. and he need and Ben had never done an office job before in no, his life. No. No, so it was all completely new to him because uh -huh. he'd always factored or something. You know, mm -hmm. he always done outside jobs really. Yes. And yeah. uh, apart from you know having a factors office, just a local one in Creef or Black Mountain things like mm -hmm. that. You know, he never mm -hmm. he always had sort of secretary there. So he never yeah. he done anything like that before. <laughs> So it was all brand new to him. Yeah, he found it quite a challenge. Did yeah. he find it a challenge? Yeah, he did. He loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And of course, he was a very good organiser. Yes. You know, and that's what they really needed. Yeah. yeah. And so, and <coughs> good people. Yes. That's game what they needed. Yes. Yeah, you that's know. true. So you know, he'd go to the mart and he knew everybody and mm -hmm. he could talk to them all and things like that. So that was really what was necessary. Born in 1916, the youngest of four. Ben's father had been a church minister all his life, but Ben had never wanted to be anything other than a farmer. 
However, his father persuaded him to become a vet, and when he left Glasgow Academy, he was sent to veterinary college, where he came top in animal husbandry, but by his own admission, failed in everything else. He did learn the game of rugby, though, and was a feared contestant in the ranks of Melrose Rugby Club for a number of seasons. Eventually, with his father's blessing, initially working as a shepherd in the Ettrick Valley, his winter days were spent as a ponyman on the Grouse Moors, and this got him an introduction to Mrs. MacDonald Buchanan um, and a job on her estate in Sussex, which had a small herd of Angus cattle, but was uh, more famous as the Lavington Thoroughbred Stud, which had actually bred a derby winner. At the outbreak of the Second World War, Ben joined the Sussex Yeomanry and was soon promoted to officer, being uh, posted to Africa, initially in Sudan and then later to the Torbrook Desert. And an unfortunate encounter with a landmine got his nose blown off and uh, the recovery from that took some 25 operations and the skin grafts and all sorts of things to complete and uh, ended um, Ben's army career. But in the middle of this, the RMS Laconia, which was a passenger ship that was traveling to England uh, with passengers and prisoners of war on, was sunk by a German torpedo off the coast of the Ascension Islands. I can vividly recall the watery eyes of the great man when he told me in detail of the 2,000 innocent civilian lives that had perished on that vessel. And Ben recalled how they'd grabbed a couple of bottles of Johnny Walker each uh, and put in the pockets of their greatcoats and then scrambled down the ladder to the tiny life craft and uh, one of the bottles breaking en route. And then I remember him telling me the, the boat um, turning, starting to sink and turning up in the air and uh, it was absolute tragedy. And then after spending an incredible eight days floating in the Atlantic, firstly on the raft, and then uh, they moved on to a lifeboat, a slightly bigger lifeboat, and Ben described the smell of having gangrene in his nose and, uh, and, and how rancid that experience was. He also talked of how when the daylight arose each day, a few more of the others on the boat would have quietly slipped overboard during the night. Absolute tragedy. And I had the feeling that Ben didn't just tell this tale to everybody, and I felt highly honoured that he confided this in me. They were eventually rescued by the Vichy French, and uh, he became a prisoner of war, and they didn't treat him very well either. For those that are interested, a two-part uh, film was made about the sinking of the Laconia in 2011 and shown on BBC Two, and it was written by a great playwright, Alan Bleasdale, and... Uh, Ben was played by an actor called Nicholas Byrne and can be found on YouTube if you fancy looking it up. It's, it's, a, it's a great story. When Ben eventually did reach Britain, he was put under the care of Sir Archibald Mukindo, who was a leading pioneer in plastic surgery, and it still took over a year to rebuild his nose. However, it was his war associations in the officer's mess that got him another farming job, and after he was demobbed in 1944 with little or no money, uh, and this was an appointment as farm manager to the Strathallan farm near Creef, a job he admits was a steep learning curve from where he'd been before. And from there, he got promoted to manage the, the Ben Challam Limited for Sir James Roberts in partnership with the well-known shorthorn breeder, Duncan Stewart of the Mill Hills fame. The actual enterprise comprised of a thousand acres of arable and herds of pedigree shorthorn and highland cattle and 8,000 black ewes on two hills. For many, this might be a challenge too far, but to Ben, it was just fulfilling a passion and, uh, and that most could only ever dream of, he said. From here, uh, Ben moved on to factor a number of estates, including one for Peter Lindsay, which uh, 
housed the Clooney herd of Aberdeen Angus, uh, where he sold a bull for 2,000 guineas. And he later took on the tenancy of Gasbeg Farm near Inverness. And it was here that he bred the Highland Princess. And that was a short-horn heifer which uh, was sold to James Stobo and went on to win Smithfield in his hands in 1956. And a, a picture of a great beast she was. And it was brought out, I think, by master stockman Alec Ogg. And by 59, he'd taken on the management of the 50,000-acre Blackmount estate in Perthshire. Uh, and uh, what a huge job that would be. And then uh, he followed on to a few other similar posts. Then eventually moved to the smaller Woodburn farm near Creef, where he remained for the rest of his life, breeding uh, cattle and highland ponies with his wife, Sally. Always a brilliant orator, a budding career as a radio presenter on farming programmes was never quite concluded as Ben sought out further challenges such as visiting foreign countries and as a speaker and latterly a Nuffield scholar. In a self-appointed ambassador's role, he, he would address congresses like the International Wool Secretariat in New Zealand and the Scottish Meat Producers Forum in Argentina, the latter of which coincided with a delegate of visiting Scottish Aberdeen Angus breeders, and I think this is possibly where he caught up uh, with a few of his other Aberdeen Angus buddies that eventually led to his role in the, in the society. And as Sally mentioned uh, earlier, his appointment to the secretary of the Aberdeen Angus Society in 71 came something as a surprise, really, when his predecessor was uh, unceremoniously removed and uh, Ben brought in as a stopgap. Um, however, he rose to the challenge and, and he made the post his own advocating that the breed needed a tight rein to get it back on its feet in a falling market, promoting the assets of its beef and possibly creating a trademark for its product, and all these things were done. And it would be 10 years before the latter was pursued with enthusiasm, of course, by uh, council officials such as George Cormack and others. But uh, being something of a, quite an intimidating man with his booming voice and red nose and big frame, Ben was never frightened of airing his views and getting his opinions heard, especially in a time when the majority of the council would be made up of gentrified farmers, as he said. And uh, this didn't necessarily make him popular with his peers, but he was welcomed amongst the breeders who felt at the time his ways were progressive and more forward-looking when the society needed to change. And as well as a supreme organiser, it was Ben's attention to the loss-making accounts that helped turn the society around by the end of his role some nine years later. And around about the time uh, Bob Anderson was um, appointed as uh, almost as Ben's number two, if you like. And Bob was wonderful, you know, Bob mm. was a wonderful second in command to Ben yes. because he was the one who was very good on the detail of yes. things. Well, Ben was never good on detail. Yeah. It was the, the general uh, thing, you know, the mm -hmm. big team people and things people like picking that. Up behind yeah, that's yeah. right. And he had yeah, PBS and a very mm -hmm. good secretary, yeah. you know. During Ben's time, he saw, a, he saw a number of different officials on the council come and go and Julie took more of a charge if he felt they required a little bit of guidance. And he travelled himself far and wide with the breed, including being a great ambassador in Argentina and Brazil. And it was in Brazil when Ben arrived with a plane load of cattle, accompanied by uh, master stockman Jim Donald, but the cattle were refused admission into the country on, on health grounds, foot and mouth, mouse health grounds. Uh, Sally picks up the story. Yeah. I don't think they hardly got off the plane. And they mm. may have been put into quarantine. Really. Well, no, the story that I had on this right. one, and again, I think I may have picked this up from Ben's, Ben's memoirs, yeah. is that, that they were sponsored by Famous Grouse. Yeah. And as a present for, for the Famous Grouse, because the delegation were going out there, yeah, they flew right. a couple of cases of Famous Grouse out with the cattle. That's what they did. That's right. And, 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 that's and, right. 
That's how they got through the custom. Because they said this this whiskey was for That's was right. to be given to the given to the cattle, whereas really it was going out there because they couldn't take it out in their own luggage. They sent it out with the cattle, and, and apparently it all got impounded in customs, and they never did get it. The they gave them because they couldn't get her through with mm-hmm. the cattle, so they just kept giving bottles to different people. Right, and it was good. You know, it was just, just <laughs> paying everybody off so they could get through to all the all the red tape. You can oh. imagine, they say, "Oh, give them a couple of bottles." Yeah. 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 Oh, come along, Mister Good. Just bring your cattle in, you know. <laughs> uh, it was very, very expensive out there at that mm. time, and it was absolutely sought after. Yeah, so everyone wanted yeah. a bottle of whiskey. And by 1977, uh, Ben was also in charge of the World Forum uh, held in Scotland, which I think goes down in history as probably one of the greatest occasions for the breed, both promotionally and uh, and socially. It'd be a huge yeah, undertaking for, for, yeah. for Ben yeah. to, yeah. well not just Ben, but a lot of other people to organise. Oh, it's a huge thing, yeah. absolutely, and it went off so well. Uh-huh, yes. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. It goes down in history as one of the best forums there's ever been, I think. Is it? Yeah. Oh, right, it was really yeah. good. And I tell you who gave a really good speech, and that was Errol, you know, Earl of Errol. Brilliant speech. Mm-hmm. Had everybody standing on chairs and on the table and everything else, mm-hmm. <laughs> And it was really good. He's, you know, he's got a very good wit. I was talking yeah. to um, Brian Wilkie this morning, who was telling me that very same thing about the Earl of Errol getting everybody yeah. standing <laughs> on the table to toast the Queen and various things. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it was yeah. a very good do, it yeah. was. And you see, everybody came over, all the New Zealanders. And, mm-hmm. and of course, by then, Ben knew them all. You yes. know, they were all friends. Yes. So we had a lovely... Right, a huge social event. social event for him. Huge social event mm-hmm. it was, yeah. 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 yeah, I think he, yeah. he excelled. I don't, re- I don't remember anything about the cattle at all, but I do remember what a good social event <laughs> A close friend of the Society's patron, the Queen Mother, Ben cherished his visits to the Castle of May and took a keen advisory role with the herd, as Sally recalls. But ben had a lot of time for the Queen Mother, I think, didn't he? Oh, yeah. daughter. Mm-hmm. Absolute daughter. Yeah. And she adored him too. Mm-hmm. They used to go up every year. He went up originally just as sort of for Albany Nance. Then after that, he just got invited up every year. Mm-hmm. And he got, um, you know, went up the night before and stayed the night and uh-huh. had the parties. Mm-hmm. And they all danced and they mm-hmm. put on all, all her records, her favourite records. <laughs> yeah. And they all sort of danced and things, uh-huh. you know. She He's had a one love time. I mentioned five or six times, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ben told me yeah. some of the tales about you know, how right. some of the parties yeah. used to have. Yeah. 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 On his retirement uh, from the Society role, he was presented with an MBE for his work, as well as a, a cherished silver salver with HRH's personal signature on it, um, which I've seen. But what happened when he retired? Was it was he was he resentful? Did he did he? No, no, it in no, no, no. He was quite happy. He wanted to retire. Did he? Then on up. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. Yeah. I think no. I think he just decided that he'd been there, done it, or mm-hmm. you know, he was okay. never one for sticking at things if you know there wasn't a new. Um, challenge really, you yeah, know, sure. and I think he'd done it all really. And I think too, it was getting more mm. booky and more, mm. you know, um, more precise. Uh-huh. And he had to be more, you know, and less mm. yeah. granddads, mm-hmm. more less granddads. That's right, mm-hmm. more less sort of just, you know, doing things and you know, uh-huh. getting on with it. Yeah. I think he had to, you know, had to be more accounting to mm-hmm. people, and you know, everything had to be in the book and right. things like that. He also became an active member of a number of institutions, including the Royal Smithfield Show, which was where I got to know him. But he fondly recalls his time as Breed, at the Breed Society Secretary as some of the best years of his life. And of course, Ben then went on to become a judge and an interbreed cattle judge, uh, judge classes at most of the UK's uh, county and rural shows. And he was never one to hang about uh, uh, making up his mind. 
Uh, he had his own definite opinions of what uh, what an animal should look like. And once when judging the Burt Trophy at the Royal Show, he controversially gave the award to the Longhorns because he said, and I quote, they were the only ones that could walk properly. Ben made his first appearance on radio way back in 1947 on the BBC's Farming Forum programme. And uh, he kept a steady association with the media, including uh, Scotland's uh, Landward TV farming programme and uh, later as technical advisor on the TV drama Strathblair. Here is Ben's voice speaking on an episode of the Landward programme. As the late, great Ben Coots explained on Landward in 1984. Behind me is Stamp Office Close, and there is a well-known pub called Fortune's Tontine Tavern, where 50 Highland gentlemen agreed to form the Highland Society of Edinburgh. They were probably fortified with some of the good carrot that used to abound in these days. But that was 200 years ago, on the 9th of February, 1784. Uh, as Sally mentioned previously, Ben loved a challenge, and in 1983 he turned his hands to politics, and uh, he uh, stood as Liberal candidate for Perth, and under this great slogan, Big Ben for Westminster, he didn't quite topple his opponent on that occasion, one uh, Conservative Nicholas Fairburn. It was on a visit to Hamburg in Germany in 1994, a lavish event run by millionaire and Highland cattle enthusiast Herr Bauner that uh, Ben and I caught up again when he was judging the cattle and, and I was showing them. He was, the reason he you, you were yeah, both right. out there is because he was asked to judge the cattle out there. Well, right. guests were right. asked right. to judge the cattle out there. Yeah. So they had these Highland cattle and then they had another breed called an Obrach and an Obrach is, is a sort of dark, hard-skinned, yeah. bare-haired, yeah. horrid creature, really. And, and yeah. Anyway, to, for, for, for a laugh, I, um, when Ben was judging, I took the Obrach into the ring alongside of the Highlanders. Right. And I, I could see Ben st <laughs> standing back going, what the hell is that thing? And he did, and he put it last. And if there had been any further places, then he would have put it even further last. <laughs> it was, it had to hand me a third prize for a second. He said, oh, bloody deserve it. He was going, oh, we did. But, uh, he, did. he couldn't oh, understand. Yeah. And I remember him telling her, by yeah. what on earth have you got those nonsense creatures yeah. for? But I think they probably did fairly well for him. Yeah. I was re regaling the, uh, about when we were in in Germany, because mm -hmm. he wasn't fond of the Germans, was he? Yeah. Benny? He said, I don't like crouch, you know. It's like, Ben, you can't really say that here. You're in Germany. <laughs> I don't like these crouch. But when he told me why he didn't like the crouch, I realised why he didn't like the crouch. Yes. But, but I remember, um, if you can remember, Herr Baumer gave us this, this fabulous um, um, banquet. Ben made a speech and he said, he sort of a toast and he stood up yeah. and made a speech and I'm sure you'll yeah. remember this, you were sitting next to him. Yeah. Uh, and he said, um, and, and Bama was sitting there and, yeah, and Bama's wife was called right. Erica, wasn't yeah, she? she was, yeah, and so very, so he stood up, relaxed, yeah. he stood up and he said, uh, he made this speech and, and, yeah. and he finished up, thanked everybody and, and he finished off and he said there were three great uh, uh, pedigree families in the Aberdeen Angus breed and he yeah. said there was the princesses and the prides and the best of all was the Erica. So he stood up and raised a glass and yeah. she said, you're saying I look like a cow? She <laughs> <laughs> and that's the first time I think I've ever seen Ben speechless. He sat down red face, and that was it backfired. And I thought it was. I recall one time him chastising the building of the new Oban cattle mart, saying uh, if it ever got off the ground, he'd uh, he'd eat his hat. And uh, a man of his word, uh, six months later, the Scottish farmer led with a photo on the front of Ben doing just that. <laughs> and. Uh, in fact, Ben had a long association with that publication, as, as my friend Fletch will surely vouch for, and many stories of Ben's antics are probably still left untold to this day, and maybe some of them should. In fact, there'll be a lot of folks out there who uh, hold fond memories of this great man. 
and, uh, and in his autobiography from Bothy to Big Ben, which I've got a copy in front of me right now, he scribbled in the inset in 1994, and I quote, To Andy, who looks like he's going to have as much fun out of showing cattle as I did, and if he does, he'll be a lucky laddie. With the best wishes for your future, Ben. It's one of my most treasured possessions, and I am indeed a lucky laddie to having known Captain J. Ben Coots. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast, which was kindly sponsored by Harbro, suppliers of quality commercial and pedigree feeds and expert nutritional advice. Visit their website or find them on Facebook for more information. And while on the subject of Facebook, why don't you visit the Top Lines and Tales Facebook page, where you'll find photographs and more information to back up this episode.